Hi, friends. Welcome to Cryptic Whispers Podcast. I'm Michelle Raven. Hi, and I'm Ross Kearney. <laughs> I did not think that's where you were going to say hi and pause. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been? We've been off for a little while. Yeah, it was a nice little break. The holidays was a little, little crazy and busy. Yeah, I needed a little mental health reset. So yeah. it was nice to take a little bit of time and space. I get a bit overstimulated with the holidays. Me too. And it seemed like even more this year than it usually is. So that was I would agree with fun. that. I don't know why, but it was. I don't know. It was like, like such chaos energy the whole time. It was ridiculous. It was nice. Like I had a really nice holiday. Yeah. But it was still was so chaotic. Yeah, it feels like that's some sort of energy that's just in the world right now. Um, yes, I feel like a lot of it has resolved since then. Like, I definitely, I don't feel that underlining chaos that was happening before. I definitely feel more of a movement in a different direction. Um, but that chaos is definitely, so. there's so much stuff just going on on the earth itself. Just from yeah. all the humans being dumb. It is true. Dumb humans. Yeah. No, it's a lot of lot of stuff going on still, weather-wise and volcano activity-wise. And just feels like something's happening in the world still. Yeah. It definitely is still happening. <laughs> so, did you make any New Year's resolutions? Do you do New Year's resolutions? I, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I don't do New Year's resolutions. I don't I, do them. I don't see the New Year as a... As the clean slate and fresh starting point that a lot of people try to approach it with. Me either. Winter is a time for resting. It's a time for pause. Like you start manifesting what you want in the new year in the fall. And that's when you start figuring it out and building it during the winter and like getting the plans going. And then once spring hits, you're ready to go. Well, especially being in New England, it's winter is a lot of kind of dead time where we sit around and don't have a lot to do. So it's, that's the best time to be working and being active and on something, trying to put those plans into motion. No, I disagree. Winter is for not, not doing um, like no action, planning, 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 yeah. planning, planning, not really putting as much into action right now. Like if you think about it with the cycles, winter is the time of like barren and silence and rest. So what are you doing during that time? What, like, what are the animals doing? What is nature telling you that you should be doing right now? As little as possible. It's true. I agree so with that. I have definitely decided that this winter is the winter of cozy, warm, and whimsical things. And um, I have been reading more, trying to read more physical books and um, audiobooks. And um, I've, well, I have been exercising more. I have not been doing that. That's something I should be doing. Um, we bought a new treadmill because the old one broke. And whenever I have to spend money on something, I definitely have to use it because I like I have to make it worth it in my brain. But everybody yep. in the house uses the treadmill, so <laughs> it's really good for everybody. Plus, I like to put on like weird documentaries and watch while I walk. It definitely helps. Yeah. I need something to watch because I get bored when I exercise is my problem. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'd rather be doing almost anything else. Yeah. No, Frey and I still just do our walks in the woods. That's about the Yeah. Extent. And that's nice. I don't do that, though. I don't like being cold. I don't want to be out when it's cold. Yeah. 
I did take the dude out for a little while today, but he doesn't like having his paws wet. So it was a very fast walk. And then we were back in the house. It was also 50 degrees out today. Not so cold. It it was, but it doesn't matter. He was stepping in cold, wet slush. Yeah. So he was not happy. (laughs) He is my summer guy. Ever since we got the snow, Freya, it's just like, I can't even get her to come back inside. She is running around, loving the snow. I have a pit bull. Not not big into snow. No. No. Not a thick coat on those guys. No. Mm Mm-mm. No. So yeah, I, I look at more of spring with the rebirth and as a point of putting all those plans into motion. Does, well, that's the time of action. That's the time when all of the stuff that you've been manifesting and like sitting on and planning is the time to like really start working on physically putting those more into effect. Yeah. So that by the time summer hits, you're full on running. Yeah. No, that's my problem is I never get to the running. That's because you're not doing the things in the right order. Like, <laughs> oh, no, I don't. I'm very poor with structure. Yeah. It's about the ritual, though. Like, I don't do real great with structure. Certain things I can structure okay. But, like, it definitely, for me, being able to get into a good flow state to be able to manifest is about, like, being able to perform some kind of ritual to put it into, like, some kind of magical framework of thinking for me. That was actually kind of relates to the the lecture I did last night, where it was it was a class on sustainable spiritual practice. You know, she was talking about how a lot of people fall out and don't do a lot of spiritual practice, and this was a way of integrating it as a part of more of your regular life. So this way, you can feel more fulfilled by your practices by integrating them better into your life. That's literally what I've been doing, like in the last year. I've just been trying to make everything that I do more intentional, even if it's like in the morning I get up and I'm just feeling meh. When I put the sugar in my coffee, I turn it, you know, clockwise three times and I say something affirming about my day. And I put that intention into my coffee before I drink my coffee. Like it's the small things and, but it makes it feel magical. And it like really does put the intent for those good things to get into your subconscious So that they're there and they're overriding all that other crap that you constantly have to filter through. Yep. And that's exactly what she was talking about. Yeah. I could teach those classes. Yeah. It was a a nice little lecture. That's great. Yeah. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I had never attended any of her classes before. So I was like, okay. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. That's the, the extent I've been doing for learning other than my regular reading. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of really nice occult witchcraft books that I've been reading. So that was nice. Yep. Audiobooks. This year is the year of the audiobook. Yeah. They're really handy. Yeah. And I listen to so many podcasts and like thousands and thousands of hours of music too. So it's like I really could, you know, not listen to that same album that I've listened to four times already this week and listen to (laughs) a couple chapters in an audiobook instead, you know. Yeah, and, and depending on the subject really matter, good. it can work. Yeah. Yeah, because I've definitely found some stuff. Like, the current one I'm listening to is a Graham Hancock book. And it's, you know, it's much more interesting to listen to than it would be to read, I think. Um, Graham Hancock deals with what subject? Um, Everything, kind of. I mean, this one's mostly about spiritual journeys through, um, I can't remember. Let me look up what the book is. But it's... um. He's covered everything from ancient civilizations and ancient cultures, but mostly in a, you know, let's enlighten ourselves to a whole nother level 
of being. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, it's just called the supernatural and it's meetings with the ancient teachers of mankind. So it's all different psychedelics and stuff to be able to communicate and understand higher levels of existence. Interesting. Yeah. It's a, he's covered quite a range of subjects, which is always bizarre to hear him pop up on podcasts, talking about ancient structures and ancient civilizations. Here's a book that very much falls into just psychedelics and changing your perception of thought. Yeah, but it's all connected. It is. I mean, that's his whole thing is all of that is all connected. Yeah. And learning from these ancient civilizations. Mm-hmm. Indigenous people, if you will. Yeah. Yep. There's definitely indigenous and, you know, some cultures that don't exist anymore. Things like that. Those are all indigenous cultures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can learn a lot from them. Of course. Yep. But other than so, that, I'm rereading Lord of the Rings. So. <laughs> nice. I don't know that I will ever be able to get through Lord of the Rings again. I did it once. It took me a long time. Yeah. Try to do it every other year. I usually go back and forth and swap it with Dune. I have a friend that does that too. Just goes back and rereads them every so often. Yeah, there's I, three books I reread constantly. Yeah. yeah. The books Lord that the I read. Yeah. yeah. I read um, The Tao of Pooh like once a year. I read um, I read The Crow like every six yeah. months. It's <laughs> one of my favorites. Um, I don't know. There's not really much that I reread a ton. I have poetry a... books. I go through poetry books where I'll just like hours and hours and hours of them. I have a hard time with poetry books, but it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I like. It's almost like I'm trying to pick out parts that I like as opposed to view it as a whole. With poetry? Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to view it as a whole. That's the entire point. Yeah. You can take each individual poem as it is. Yeah, and I think that's my. I focus too much on that. And mm-hmm. I don't continue. I don't continue on. And I don't accept each thing as its own standalone thing. I bring the other one into the next one with me. That's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we ready to talk about today's subject? I'm ready to talk about today's subject. And today's subject is sea and lake monsters. One of my favorites. Yeah. I, my first cryptid obsession was Loch Ness. I feel like mine was too. It was, for some reason, it seems to be like an early introduction where there's a lot of material early on and there's a lot of visual material. I feel like it's such an easy crossover from like being a kid that believes in magic and dragons to believing in the Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Or it's or dinosaurs going from another direction where you're like, oh, I love dinosaurs and dinosaurs are great. And here's a living dinosaur. Cool. Yeah, I never, never really thought the dinosaur thing was possible. No, it's even not. as a kid. I was yeah. never like, I don't think that's true. My, my whole thing was even as a kid, I couldn't understand how there'd be a big enough for a breeding population. Yeah, mine was just uh, those kind of dinosaurs breathe air. Yeah. So. You'd probably see them a lot more, and probably definitely before 1932. Well, I mean, tur- it, 32 is when they started like really seeing that version. That's of the modern, but there's there's documentation back until like 580. See, I okay. So, do we want to talk about? Let's talk about the history for before <laughs> we start getting into the theories. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is one of those things where a lot of the Loch Ness specifically, there was 
there's been documentation and stories of a monster in the lock by dating to about 500 AD. And then when you get into other ones like Lake Champlain, Ogopogo, you know, there's indigenous cultures that are around there that have the stories dating back thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So you do have a well, a, I guess, a depth of history for these locations having these creatures in them that extend beyond the past hundred years of like white people showing up and observing it. Right. But what we think of today is a lot different than how people have always described them. They're like a lot of the descriptions have changed and stuff over the years. Like the version of like Loch Ness that we think of today came about in the 1930s. Yes. And yeah, as kind of the plesiosaur type appearance. Yes. But that's mostly thanks to the, the, the surgeon's photograph, which we'll get into. Yes. And King Kong. Yes. <laughs> like, I, wait, what? Yeah, King I had to Kong? pause on that. I was like, what? No, you're wait, talking about, no, yes. Oh, I get it. Oh, now yes. I remember. There it is. Yep. The dinosaurs <laughs> in the movies. Yes, they were all there. Yes. Um, yeah, which yeah. is true. I mean, that's probably a lot where a lot of people got a visual representation of what it could be. Yeah. Even though well, it hadn't seen in other aspects. Right. But there is a direct correlation with people starting to see that version of like physical manifestation after it was a very popular movie in the 1930s. Correct. Yeah. Before it was much more serpent-like, much more same with champ was also right. very much more serpent-like with a horse's head and everything that yes. was described. Ogopogo right. still retains the serpent appearance. Yes. Which I like more, I think, but I I like the whole serpent and how like the mythological and all of the lore behind serpents and all of that stuff anyways. Yeah. And I, I mean, we'll get into that a bit of some of the, the current theories of why maybe a serpent is a much more applicable image for these monsters. Mm-hmm. And then of course you get into, once you get out into the ocean, there's all sorts of documented sightings of Giant squid, giant octopus, um, people actually landing on what they thought was an island and it being a giant octopus, um, you know, even dating back to the Odyssey. Mm -hmm. So sea monsters in general have been such a major part of, I guess, our world and culture for a long time. I mean, there was always written on maps, here be monsters and like, don't go here and all sorts of weird experiences. Mm hmm. I mean, some of them are just is simply described as like what we see as modern oarfish or some are, you know. Well, I just want to say that a lot of like sailors and things thought that like manatees were mermaids. So malnutrition was a thing. Yes. <laughs> made people really out of their minds. So while I love a lot of those tales, um, a lot of them I feel are tales, but with the exception of things like giant squid we definitely know exists yeah you know but then you have like the the gloucester um sea serpent that came out of like you know cape cod area and actually mm-hmm. came up along the east coast that was seen by hundreds of people from the shore mm-hmm. you know and this is you know mid to late 1800s right so and it was seen fairly regularly too so yeah to enough that it was documented as such and even probably connected to you know where i live in Portland, Maine with Casco Bay and Cassie mm-hmm. may be actually the same creature, if not, you know, at least the same family. 
Right. And while I believe people experience, if you're a true crime person like I am, you know that people's um, people never see things right. It's people being able to like actually identify what they're seeing and be able to put it into a perspective of being like they have to have something to refer to it. Like they have to have some kind of reference. So, you know, they're going to try and put it into whatever box they can find to try and make sense of it in their brain. Well, so, you know, the average person has a real hard time actually being able to predict scale and size. Yeah. Yes. Especially if you're in the water. No. Yeah. It takes a lot of training to be and from doing it from any amount of distance away and like it's hard to it's hard to look at somebody and be like I don't know if I really believe that's what you saw man but like also sometimes I feel like you really have to have to do that (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I believe you when you say that's what you think you saw yeah um you know, it, it's one thing when, like, somebody sees a UFO and they're like, it was the size of a football field. It's like, for you to have something that sort of reference, it has to be fairly close. And even if you're off, it is still a sizable object. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's com- if it's super close, but it's like actually smaller than you think it is, that's still a pretty large object. But, yeah. you know, if it, or if it's even further than you think it is and you still think it's the size of a football field, then it's a pretty massive size object. Yeah. But when you're talking about something that's like, I saw it in the water and it was 30 feet and you're like, against what context do you have? Yeah. You know, how, how big is your boat? I don't know. You know, like they, you know, it's like, if you look at it, it's like, well, that's 20 feet. And it's like, okay, something 10 feet longer is not going to look too abnormal. Yeah. But I don't know. It's one of those things where I think that as much as I love the material, I think there are problems in sightings of specifically like monsters. I think I will say that there's more hoaxes than there are real evidence of any kind. Um, I would argue that it's more misinterpretations than hoaxes. Mm, I don't know. I think when you have some of the pictures that we have that people are straight up like, this was, and there have been. Okay, so let's just get it right out of the way. The picture. Yeah, the surgeon's right? photo of Loch The Mouse. surgeon's photo. So that has been found to be a hoax. Yeah, they admitted it was a hoax within, like, weeks. Right. But there are still (laughs) people that are like, no, that's an actual picture. Yeah. You know? So we're, you know, starting off with bad. And it's just (laughs) not getting any better. Yeah. You know? And then you have, like, there's a colored picture of of the Loch Ness Monster that went around that was a guy who, like took a picture and painted it and then like retook the pic. It was, it was also found to be a hoax. That dude never admitted it though. I can't yeah. remember his name. I just watched a documentary today about it. And that guy was crazy. He was so funny. <laughs> Why would I doctor a picture? Why would I, I would just went out and took a picture of a monster. That's all I did. I just took a picture. I wanted a picture of a monster. So that's what I did. I took a picture of a monster. And he was still saying that like 20 years later after people were like, no bro. Not at all. No, it's, I mean, I mean, that's the thing is there were definitely a number of like kind of hoax. There was the, um, you know, the famous hunter that came to Loch Ness to try to hunt the Loch Ness monster and found giant footprints that they ended up tracing back to an umbrella stand that was made out of a hippopotamus foot. Smart. They still, they still don't know if he was involved in the hoax or not, or if he was just a victim of the hoax. 
Yeah. You know, and then there was um, the whale. The whale. Yeah. Well, there's the elephant walrus that was found. So there yeah. was a corpse that washed up on the shore of the Loch Ness that everybody was freaking out because it was calling it the monster and everything like that. And then mm-hmm. once they actually got a biologist over to it, they found that it was a um, elephant seal. I thought there was something about a bunch of sailors put a whale in the lock as a joke. Oh. Maybe that wasn't Loch Ness, though. I don't know. I don't know either. That I must have. That, yeah, doesn't stick with me. I probably was listening to something and spacing out at work at the same time and just heard half of what was going on. (laughs) It's like a fever dream. It's possible. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But the funny thing about the elephant seal when they found it was they determined that it had been frozen. So it was clearly somebody had handled it and put it into the lock. Weird. And then, but I think like there's also unintentional ones. Like there was a film crew that was out there filming a, you know, a Loch Ness monster movie. And they lost their model, like their life-size model, and it yeah. sunk to the bottom. Right. So there's stuff like that where it's like, I guess it's a kind of a fun thing for divers. And, um, you know, when you have the, the robot subs to go and look at, because it's actually, everybody knows where it is and it's documented. So it's kind of like, hey, this is a fun thing to go do. Yeah. The only problem that I have with, like, Loch Ness and, like, any of those kind of things is that the people that want to believe, and it, it's like this with most the people that really, really want to believe are just believing absolutely anything and everything. Yeah. And it's so, it's frustrating because you can't get a real data. You can't get like real responses. You can't, because there's so much of this like wanting to believe that people are just anything they see. It's like, is, is that really what you saw or is that just what you wanted to see? Because you've been here. 12 times to try and find this well there was a documentary in the late 90s because i was still living with my parents when i watched it but they did a thing where they grabbed a group of people and they had a pipe rigged in the lock for it to come up out of the water and they would ask people what they saw mm-hmm. and this, the group of the control group of people they had all described seeing a pipe but what was interesting was they had a woman who was down on the further down on the shore, come running up and be like, did anybody see that? Did anybody see that? And they're like, see what? Can you draw what you saw? And she drew the full thing with the head and the neck. And it was just, here was somebody who was, who was unaware they were going to see anything. And their perception was that they actually saw the classic image of the Loch Ness Monster. Mm-hmm. And whereas the people that were there being like, okay, I'm being tested on something, saw exactly what they were, were supposed to see. Yeah. Yeah. Perception. Exactly. Perception can be reality, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, perception is reality. That there is no other way to look at it. <laughs> you can only see through your own perception, and that is your reality. So perception is reality. Yeah. And then everybody has their own reality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it gets crazy. I mean, kind of collective consciousness is a thing, so. It is. But then would the sub, would that collective consciousness be more real than our individual realities individualism is a trap it doesn't really <laughs> exist okay but if we have our own perceptions then are we, if we have our own individual perceptions and our own individual realities then individually ours. it still is within the construct of the social norma like i it's all within social normities man you're not free like you're no. tied to the collective everybody is their own individual thing, but it's all, it's all community. It's all of 
every tiny little drop of energy. We're all, it's all community. Including the Loch Ness Monster. Including the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> no, um, but getting back to the idea of um, belief, like, I, I don't know, I feel, I don't know if I'm unique or anything like that, but I, I feel like I surprise my friends because they think that I'm a believer that just believes in the Loch Ness Monster. And I'm more of the, I believe that there's something there and we just need to know what it is. It's not necessarily that it's a monster of unknown or something, but that it's like that there's possible realities to what people are seeing, that there is an explanation. doesn't necessarily mean that there's a monster, but that there is an explanation. I think the explanation to a lot of these things is um, it's just an energetic difference. Like whatever is there is water element and it, it, is like it's an elemental kind of thing you know what i mean it does it it's we've talked about this before when we talked yeah. about like the spiritual beings so for yeah. me i feel like a lot of these things and it gets for me it's all tied into the lore and stuff too so like if you start talking about like any celtic lore or germaic or whatever all of those lores they all have different water creatures that are attached to them and they yeah. all have different stories and they all Almost all of those are based on just some kind of energy difference or energy imbalance or some kind of moral story that they're trying to tell. And for me, the things like Loch Ness are more aligned with those kinds of energy. And that's more like what it feels like to me. Okay. But because so, Loch Ness Monster has become so, like, culturally appropriate, it also takes on, like, this weird tulpa thing, too, where, you know, you're feeding energy into it. So it's exactly. creating more of it. Yeah, that I would agree. But I also think, like, you know, some of, one of the recent things they did in DNA was, uh, with um, Loch Ness was they extracted DNA from the water to try to figure out what creatures are actually living in the loch. Right. And... And one of the ones that was popping up was eels, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh, eels could be a very much because we talked about how people are terrible of identifying scale. Right. Where it's like, that's something that could be explained. Like, well, but and some eels, depending on the variety, can get pretty fucking big, too. Yeah. And if there's nothing else that's in the water that's going to be like killing these things and taking taking them down so that the population doesn't explode, like there's going to be they're going to be giant. Yeah. Like, and it's a. Like, one of my favorite theories is actually sturgeon. Because sturgeon look like freaking dinosaurs. Yeah. They are terrifying. And they can grow, like, 8 to 10 feet long. Yep. And if you're, like, in the water swimming with it, and your leg kicks something that feels like armor, and you turn around and see this thing that looks ginormous, and you've never seen a sturgeon before in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's you're gonna terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. And you're going to be like, it was 30 feet Dude, long. I, I don't do water was. for a reason, man. I am out. No, thank yeah. you. I don't even like going in rivers and stuff. I'm like, listen, no, thank you. Yeah. No, but I mean, that's uh, yeah, I actually, that reminds me of watching that show, River Monsters. I love that show. I do too. I used to watch that show all the time. Yeah. That dude went to but, Chernobyl to fish. Like, yeah. dude, what? But what? it's like, you look at that stuff and he's pulling out like eight foot long catfish. Yeah. And I, you're like, these are things that normal people don't ever see every day. So when you experience fish it in the wild, me out anyways, like freak fish are weird. Yeah. But not here's, it. here's one of the things that I find interesting is sometimes when these creatures are described or sketched out, the tail structure is not fish. It's mammal. 
Mm-hmm. It's not a vertical, it's a horizontal tail. Right. Which which was always caused... one of my biggest issues with the whole like dinosaur Loch Ness thing because that was one of my things in school was like you learn very early that, you know, straight up and down yeah. is bad. <laughs> vertical is okay. <laughs> Yeah. But that's a, that's brought up this whole theory that it's um, part of the the pinniped family the that have seals and walruses things like that because you have that type of tail mm-hmm. and they're th- and some people theorize that there is an undiscovered mammalian um, pinniped out there that is part of this family that is giving rise to all of these sightings where is it hiding i don't want to hear caves i know there's like so many miles and miles of caves and like caverns and whatever but like if it's an it's if it's breathing air and if it's a seal and a sea lion they usually can only hold their breath what like i think a sea lion's like two hours maybe like it's not it's not as long as you would think that it is for animals that exist so much in the ocean so yeah but I mean, a seal pops up to get air, and it only comes up like three inches off. off I mean, the like e- not even that. Sometimes it yeah. just can pop their little nostrils up. Exactly. It doesn't even have to. So that's why it's it's very possible. It's like that would be very in you know not everybody would see that. They and would see, the see whole it more. Neck. No, 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 no. They would be seen way, way more because it would have to be there. Would first of all, there would have to be multiples and multiples of them. Yes. So that. But, like, they would be spotted. There's only... I know it's 23 miles in, like, Loch Ness, right? Yeah. But, like... To see something, if they were you know, something, that's only eight inches around. And how many people are there all the time? Like, Loch Ness has their own society where they're just constantly watching the waters. Yes. They would There would be so much evidence of it. So much evidence of it. But it's also one of those things. I wonder how much of that evidence gets dismissed because it's explainable and they're looking for other evidence. I genuinely think that there are some people that are there doing research that are really genuinely like looking at the research. Um, I think that that's the only way that they actually have been functioning for as long as they have and been able to find anything and do any of the stuff like the DNA stuff that they were recently doing. That's all capable or possible from the people that are actually scientifically looking at it and dismissing things as they go. No, I mean, but it's also one of those things where, I mean, we've been talking about Loch Ness specifically, but yeah, when you get out of the lock, you know, it become, and into the ocean, it becomes such a wide range of things that I fall into. Okay. I could believe a lot more. Yeah. But I, to me, those feel like totally different things like lake monsters and sea creatures very very different animals i there isn't a sea creature that i am not like oh i that's plausible to me (laughs) that's plausible yeah i think it's possible is some of those sea serpents that are described sound like oarfish you know where it's just like oh and oarfish are super creepy and stuff but you know they might grow much larger than we predict but when you get into the ocean, I'm just like, oh, anything's much more possible than it is within an enclosed, like, yeah. Lake we don't know water. anything about our oceans. Nothing. No. And that is terror. Like, that's one of those things that's terrifying. If somebody came up and said, yeah, we found this, I'd be like, yeah, I believe it. I believe it 100%. So, it, yeah. So, my oceans belief. Oceans are terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's my, my belief shifts. And I think it's interesting that some people, maybe they don't shift and they think that it's all disconnected. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I love squid, though. I'm, like, obsessed with squids. They're so <laughs> freaking cool. 
I like just watching videos of them. Yeah. And then, um, like some of the theories on octopuses or octopi is that, you know, that there is no like biological history for them. There's no evolutionary tree with on this planet for them. They can't figure out where they came from. So it leads to the theory that, you know, their DNA is even far different than anything else on this planet. So then you get into the crazy theories that they're actually aliens. Yeah. I just dismissed dismissed that one out of pocket. (laughs) That one's not, that's not how that works. I've read articles that are like, yeah, you know, we're not exactly sure what the DNA comes from, but there are billions of things on the planet that we don't know where the DNA comes from that we're still trying to figure out. Or even as something like we still don't know how eels reproduce. No. Mm -mm. Nope. Did you know that there's an immortal jellyfish that can like just keep regenerating itself for it? Like will just kill itself because it gets bored. Its strands will never degrade. It's so insane. It's crazy. We have no idea what the fuck is going on in our oceans. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying. And that's why I believe when there's like, okay, you tell me there's a giant 30 foot sea serpent that followed your boat. I believe it. Yep, 100%. Because there's, you know, there's no way we'd be able to ever be able to find something like that. Yeah. Um, I actually got obsessed with, like, giant squids because I was obsessed with killer whales and orcas for a really long time. And I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, and I saw a video of, like, orcas taking down, like, all of these jellyfish and squid and all of this other stuff. So it, like, spiraled into research about squids and stuff, too, but... The scars yeah. on sperm whales yeah. from giant squid I are know. crazy, you know, where it's like 18 inches and it's just like massive. Yeah. It's, yeah, where it's like we act more of the evidence of giant squids or how big they can get is from the scars of, of sperm whales than mm-hmm. it is anything else. Yeah, because we still have very, very limited evidence and pictures and And even when we do, it's usually a juvenile or something like that. It's something very yeah. small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ocean's a fantastic place. Mm-hmm. I love it. And then there's also, you know, going back to Loch Ness, you got some really weird theories as well. Like one of the craziest things that I actually liked for a little while was the granite slabs that make up the sides of the lock um, generate enough energy to project through time a dinosaur. What? <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to explain that one. <laughs> it's basically it's it's using the the granite slabs as the crystals that hold energy and everything to basically open up time portals, allowing for these creatures to come through. So does that mean by that theory, like every single house in New Hampshire, because we all have granite or limestone <laughs> set, like basements. Yep. Does that mean every single house has a potential to be a portal for Loch Ness monster to pass through? When my or- basement flooded, could I have conjured Loch Ness Monster? It would have been awesome if you could. Get out. Next time my basement floods, I but, I mean, if it falls seance into Loch Ness. I'll do a live. I'll do a live video. Go. We'll do a seance. Try and, try and get the Loch Ness Monster into my basement. But it's basically that same theory. That's like it. granite is for ghosts <laughs> and stuff like that being applied in what you're seeing right, as absolutely. Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get the theory. That's just wild. It's it's like the yeah, you get into the crazy paranormal like explanations for stuff, and it's like it's just people trying to figure out a way to make what they visually want work. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But then you also get into you know some of the crazy stuff. Like there are some 
it was presented that Alistair Crowley, when he owned the castle on the lock, that he actually conjured up a monster and performed spells in order to bring about a monster. And that's where the Loch Ness Monster came from. <laughs> um, Alistair Crowley is a whole other topic I would love to talk oh, about yeah. at some point. Like, I would love have to Have you get read into- his biography? I have not read his biography, biography, but I've probably read three or four books on him and then the number of podcasts and documentaries and stuff that I've watched and listened to about him has just been insane. I swear to God, I just saw two more orbs. <laughs> well, I mean, you can we can also That's thank him. <laughs> so strange. I never, ever Are see Are they them. flying in the same direction? No, this one, the other one came up and, well, it kind of was. It was along the ridge, but it went down. And this one came up and, like, circled back in and then disappeared. So that doesn't sound like an airflow type thing. No, it's because, like, the first two did very much the same motion. But, yeah, no, this one was very different. I never see orbs. It's so interesting that we, like, start recording and I'm seeing orbs. I Not even in my, like, I'm seeing them on <laughs> The recorder in your house where you say where you don't have really any activity, right? Nope. The only activity that's actually happened in this room was I, it was one night. My ex at the time she was leaving and I walked her outside and I walked back inside and she called me and was like, Hey, um, are you in your room? And I was like, no, no, I'm still downstairs. And she's like, when I was pulling out of the driveway and looking through the window, I saw shadows moving in your room. Huh? And I was like, yep, nobody's up there. Interesting. And she, But it was enough that she actually was like, that doesn't make sense. I need to call him about this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the only thing that's actually been recorded for this room. Hmm. I think there's more stuff going on at your house that you're just not aware of. Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, you can hear the people talking and things like that, you know. So there is there is some stuff, but there's probably more that I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. But whatever it seems to be, they seem to be doing better at protecting my house than they used to be. So That's good. <laughs> I, my theory the other day was because of Freya, by yeah. having the dog named Freya, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's putting out that energy for more of a solid house and therefore I'm having less issues in my house. Yeah. I just talked to my house. Ugh, I don't know if I could talk to my house. My whole house is a protective vessel. How so? Just I, like structurally or? I mean, yes. In the traditional sense, like a house is a protective vessel. But also in the spiritual sense as well, you know, it's been protected, it's been cleansed, it's been all of the things. Nothing gets in unless I allow it. But when you put the energy, it's like any vessel. You put the intent and the energy into it and it holds that intent and energy and everything has its own personality. Like, I don't care what anybody says, inanimate objects also hold energy so they have the potential to interact with stuff around them that is a potential for personality you know when you yes, drive a car the way it wears and the way it drives and the, that becomes its personality so the yes. house is the same way you know yeah. it reacts a certain way it makes noises it does whatever but when you put the intent for it to be a happy joyful protective space then that's what it is, and that's what it becomes. I mean, like, for the, the storm yesterday that we had, you can hear noises that don't sound normal. And you're like, wait, something's off, something's weird. Like, you you get used to the house. You're, you become mm-hmm. more of a 
symbiotic relationship with it. Right. Where you understand what it's supposed to be and be like, oh, that's normal. That's how it is. And when something is off, you can sense it and feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a little bit like what you're, you're saying. I mean, how I, my, perspective, my perspective of it. That's not at all what I said. <laughs> no, okay. No. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, it's like a crystal or a rock, right? If you want yes. to charge it, you hold it in your hand. You put the intent. You hold the energy into it. You put the energy and the intent into it. It's the same idea. It doesn't have to be yeah. something you can hold in your hand. It can be as big as a house. Yes. I understand it on that level, but it's also one of those things where I, I have a hard time with putting energy into crystals. I, crystal energy and crystal work is something I have never been able to, to figure out. Figure out how? Figure out in a way that it works for me where I feel like I'm accomplishing something. Have you ever put a rock in your hand and it told you a story? Made you <clears throat> emote a feeling? No. Mm-hmm. I've picked that's, up a rock and been like, I like it. And that's about it. That's that's the beginning. That's the okay. beginning. That's the start of an emotion of a feeling. That's how you <laughs> start to connect. Um, I think because you have a little bit of a problem with emotional connectivity anyways, because you're such a logical person, that it would be something that would be, you would have to practice a lot. But something that you could do to like literally just practice connecting with crystals and rocks and minerals is when you go on a walk and you see, ooh, shiny, I want to pick it up. That looks pretty. I want to have that rock. When you pick it up and hold it in your hand... Ask it how it's feeling. Ask it to share with you how it's feeling. And then whatever you're feeling, whatever comes up for you, if it's a song, if it's a feeling, if it's a thought, whatever that is, that should be how you try to connect with that rock, that thing. Okay. And you might not understand what that is, and that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be have to, like, experience to understand kind of thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Get to work on your intuition. Believing yes. that believing that what you're processing is different than what you're <clears throat> emotionally feeling. That takes a lot of work. Yeah. And yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about sea monsters. <laughs> were we? Yes. Is that what we were talking about? <laughs> no. It's, uh, yes, I, I know. I, I, it is something that it is one of those things that I get stuck in in any sort of like spiritual practices. Sometimes I get to a point where I can't make that next step for something like that where for it i just don't feel it and it's not working for me and i'm trying to figure out why because you don't feel yeah you don't emote no yes so to be able to feel and to emote you have to feel and emote it's one of those things that's so like intuitive and counterintuitive at the same time it's just being able to give yourself permission to be okay with whatever comes up and to just let it happen yeah you got to get out of your own way. Yes, exactly. I'm usually in my own. Yes. Yeah. I feel like most people are that way. Yeah. <sighs> Which is why sea monsters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I One thing that I think that's great about sea monsters, or in Lake Monsters at least, like you said, is there's so many people around, is that it really has brought... I guess, tourism and interest to areas that people may not have gone to. I mean, I love that so many people know who, like, Nessie and Champ and Ogopogo are. I think that's fantastic. I think we need more of those stories and more of those things. Yeah. Um, And And it's nice to have specific things. Like, you know, when we have Bigfoot, it's a general species that's everywhere. It's not a specific 
character and personality that we're able right. to apply yeah. to. And, and how people just absolutely love it and accept it even though that's not intuitive and that's not how we scientifically figure out stuff. The fact that people are just like so wholeheartedly want to believe in this like dinosaur, whatever they think it is. Yeah. Like I love that. I love the enthusiasm. I wish people wouldn't like lie about it. And like you said, people definitely like it's mistaken identity sometimes kind of things. They just want to believe so bad that they are going to see what they're going to see. Yeah. So, but um, the fact that it's like so cultural, there's so many cultural references for these things now. It's great. Yeah. I and love that. I just like that there is a little bit of magic and unknown in the world. Mm-hmm. And with it, by giving it such personality, you know, Ogopogo has its own song, you know, like. Yeah. There's, there's like some sort of like love and creation by the people that are in these areas for these creatures absolutely it goes back to like the tulpa thing like you were saying there's so much energy put into them that they exist on their own right and these communities really do like build their entire like kind of their personal town personalities off of these you know mythical legendary creatures yeah like, if I go to Scotland, you know, of course I'm going to go to Loch Ness. You know, if, if Loch Ness didn't exist and somebody was just like, hey, you want to go to this random lake? I might be like, oh, okay, yes or no. But Loch Ness is like, well, no, I have to go there. Mm-hmm. It's part of the trip. I have to plan. It. Yeah. I have to tell you, if I go to Scotland, Loch Ness is really low on my list. Okay. <laughs> I want to see all of the castles. I want to meet every ghost. I want to <laughs> just You can go and do and that in Loch Ness, coastline. too. I know. But. Supposedly, Alistair Crowley's house is one of the most haunted places. Dude, I cannot even imagine. Yeah. Fucked up shit that dude got into. (laughs) Hey, we have, like, you know, our whole space industry to thanks to him. I know. And Scientology. It's crazy. It's so all interconnected, too. It's just mind-blowing. Yeah, it's weird. That's a very different podcast than today. Yeah, I think that'd be fun (laughs) to talk about. I do too. Here is one crazy person that actually has a bigger influence on our modern world than we think. Yeah. I think that a lot of people would be very upset to know that Alistair Crowley had such a motivational force behind so many things in the modern age that actually turned into really positive things. (laughs) Yeah. It's which isn't crazy considering where they came from and the intent behind them. (laughs) Yeah. It almost it almost adds to the mythology of him of being like, well, maybe he was supposed to be this being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It becomes really weird when you get into it. Yeah. But I don't know. Growing up in New England, Champ was always something awesome. Yeah, I agree. But unfortunately, I've never seen one myself. So someday. Me neither. It's honestly, it's not really big on my list. If I no. were like sitting, staring at a lake and I saw something, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. But I don't. I don't know that I would actively, like, want to go seek it out. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know that there's anything really there. And that's fine. And someday if somebody finds something, that'd be super cool. But it's not high on the list of things that I would, like, yeah. Ghosts, Bigfoot, aliens, stuff like that are higher on the list for me. The only thing is to go looking for a lake monster, unless you have, like, crazy equipment. You're just hanging on the beach, having a picnic, and looking out at the water. And I think yeah. that's pretty okay. If I'm hanging out next to the water, I want to be reading and listening to music and drinking. I don't really care about 
watching the water to see okay. what's going on. I just want <laughs> to have water fun and me. hang out. I don't, I don't mind water. Yeah. I'm an earth person. Like I can go sit under a tree and be totally content. I don't need water. Yeah. It's all good though. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. You want to pull a card? Yes. So I got a new deck for Christmas. Holiday season. So three cards for the new year. Okay, so this deck is <clears throat> called Woodland Wardens, and it's all animals and plants. So the first card that came out was the Trout and Lily of the Valley, Purification. And the next card is the Deer and Oat Healing. These cards are so pretty. And the last card is the Porcupine and the Animan. I have no idea how to say that word. Boundaries. That is. Enemy? Is that how you say that? I would think so. Like a sea I... anemone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do they have land ones of those? I don't know. Well, Maybe. why else would you define one as a sea anemone if I... it wasn't a land anemone? I... That's true, I guess. <laughs> okay, so the first card, purification, and then healing and boundaries. This, as I said, is the time for pause. So what we really need to be doing is making sure that, like... All of the things that we are trying to get done and accomplished are not overwhelming. Let's be streamlining things. Let's get everything down to like the basic, simple, purest form that it can be in. That's where a lot of this heal the healing is going to come in. So like getting rid of all of the stuff that you don't need anymore and that you've just been holding on to. We came out of this last like Mercury retrograde into the beginning of what is Aquarius the dawn it's like we are now starting into the dawning of Aquarius so this is a really big time and growth for basic understandings and expansion and this is a really big time for healing right now so the best way to heal is by setting hard boundaries and by making sure that we are doing things to protect ourselves we're not giving too much to other people we're making sure that we're making healthy decisions so that we can continue moving on in the right direction. I also pulled the Two of Pentacles and the Eight of Wands. So finding balance, making sure that um, we have the resources, and then um, the Eight of Wands is movement and action. So there's going to be... This is going to be like the beginning of the hard work that is going to pay off in the end. So again, planning stage, like I was talking about earlier, this is like the planning stage where we're trying to get everything in line so that we can figure it out so that when things really come into alignment and we start to come into that flow state and things are where they're supposed to be um, and all of the stuff that we've been trying to manifest and bring about are all just going to fall into place. So we want to make sure that we have as much stuff planned ahead as possible because it is going to come on and it's going to come fast from the way that I'm feeling it. So that's what I have for the new year coming in from the new year. Wow. I love this deck. It's so pretty. <laughs> They're all so pretty. I want to own all of them. I have a new deck I haven't opened yet. What? That's yeah. caramel. You should open it the second you get it. I know. It's just so pretty. No, no, no. They're made to be used. 
Do you have anything coming up in the future? Um, nope. I don't have anything. I mean, nothing, nothing excited related. I mean, I'll be in Orlando for work in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And That's that is really to do? Oh, it's um, going to be at Megacon for work. Um, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you talk about that? Like, that's a cool event you're doing. <laughs> I'm doing it, but it's I'm going to be there and working. So? So, yeah. That's still cool. Yeah. It'll be Florida. fun. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. I think it will be a good time. Yeah. That sounds but, cool. Yeah. What about you? What do you got coming up? I have my monthly Moonlight club meetings which if you are interested in doing that you can follow me on my social media and it's all on there um if you go to our social media i'm all over that i do all of our social media stuff so i will share it on there when it gets closer to the date so that everybody can see that that sounds great i'm sure those events are a blast um, one of these days i'll make it to one that would be fun yeah We've just um, been endlessly talking about divination for like months and doing tarot <laughs> readings with different people who come in and because it, it's kind of it's just a discussion group. So we just sit and talk and discuss different things. But groups. yeah, me too. There is a big event coming up here in a little while. Well, not in a little while, but in a few months. So heads up for people that need to travel. Uh, April 26th and April 27th is going to be the International Cryptozoology Conference. That's always a fun event for those who have never been. I have never been. It's great. They've, they always have some great speakers, and it's a great great way to network with a lot of people. That's cool. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Have to so. see if I can get out there this year. Yeah. But Do you I have... know I'm definitely going to be there, but that's a ways down the road. Yes. <laughs> Do you have anything else? I've got nothing else. Me neither. Okay. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Yeah, please remember to to like and subscribe and, you know, share episodes with people you think that might like to listen to them. You can find us on Spotify. You can email us on Gmail and it's all under Cryptid Whispers podcast. And if you just search that up, you can find us. And what's our Instagram? Cryptid Whispers podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's all true. Cryptid Whispers Whisp podcast. Yep. Excellent. Well, I hope everybody has a nice couple weeks, and we will talk to you soon. Keep it weird and whimsical. Bye, friends. Goodbye.